From Brown Cow Studios in Montana, this is News Nerds, the truly legendary... <laughs> oh, no pun intended, you get it? Legendary, like a cow? Anyway, that's too corny. On this episode, I interview Amanda, and we go to our geographic location challenge. All this and more on News Nerds. I'm your host, Ezra Graham, the magician behind it all. This week's book nook pick is a book called The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. This book was published in 1937, but is still a very popular and well-known classic. The main character of the book, Bilbo Baggins, is what J.R.R. Tolkien describes as a hobbit, giving the book its name, The Hobbit. Hobbits are much like you and me, except for the fact that they live in hills and do not wear shoes. Another feature of hobbits is that they are typically shorter than human beings. Another key character to the plot is a wizard named Gandalf. When Bilbo is greeted by a group of dwarves, he finds himself doing something that he had never dreamed of before. If you like this book or have read it before, you can read the other books after The Hobbit or other books by J.R.R. Tolkien like The Father Christmas Letters. There's been some pretty weird things in the era of the coronavirus, but get this. At the Kent County Recycling Center in Michigan, a Civil War cannonball was found and was trying to be recycled at the center. The center called officials at fire and police departments nearby. Having this cannonball on the premises of the recycling center was not a good thing. Twelve years ago, an explosion involving a 75-pound cannonball blasted cannonball remnants onto a porch about a quarter mile away from the explosion. This place was quickly emptied because of the cannonball containing gunpowder inside and capped with a detonator. Work was back to what it looked like before the weirdness on May 20th, and nobody died or got injured in the process of removing the cannonball. The Kent County Commissioner posted, DO NOT RECYCLE CANNONBALL FROM ANY WAR in all caps. In just a second, we're going to go to my (laughs) intermoo. Puns are utterly amused. <laughs> amusing. Oh, we're going to go to my intermoo with Amanda, but first a message from me. We need your help, news nerd listeners, to launch our new podcast that is going to be coming out very soon called Chill Out. We need to know how you chill out in these uncertain times, so submit how you chill out. You can do that either by voice message at anchor.fm slash newsnerds, then click the message button, or go to our website, or contact me. Thank you. 
Amanda joins us from Bozeman. Welcome. Thank you, Ezra. Could you tell us a little bit about your background first? Well, I spent the first 15 years of my career in Australia and the UK, where I worked uh, in special events and marketing for the IT industry. And then we moved to California and I worked in TV advertising. And both of these jobs involved so much travel. And then we moved to Montana and I decided I am gonna change my life. And what I did was I went to the Napa Valley in California and I spent a year at the Culinary Institute of America where I studied baking and pastry. So that's kind of my background. I grew up in Australia, but then moved to England in my early 20s. And so it's just, that's where I am. Now we're here. Could you tell our listeners about your baking in the United States? Okay, well, when I finished at the Culinary Institute of America, I headed back to a small town in Montana called Ennis. And I built a commercial bakery on my property there. I didn't really want to open a shop seven days a week and that sort of thing. So I worked, made a commercial bakery and I worked um, with local restaurants and caterers and ranchers. And I baked breads, cakes, um, all sorts of desserts for them. And I also did wedding cakes, which is quite exciting in Montana because you are carrying a three-tier cake in the car down a ranch road <laughs> and you've got to try and keep everything glued together. So I didn't do wedding cakes that often, but I still did do a few of them. Um, and then I got together with a bunch of like-minded locals and we were trying to figure out how we could actually get some really good food and more variety into the Ennis marketplace because, you know, Ennis is a small country town and we don't have access to all the markets and things that we have in Bozeman. And so we found a bunch of people, some were gardeners, um, some were jam makers, and eventually we ended up setting up a farmer's market. And that was loads of fun. And we saw, I sold only organic baked goods. And then I also actually made lunches for fishing guides. So I did that as well. And when I was at the market, I had a particular cake called a bass cake, which was so popular, people would line up before the market had even opened, waiting for a slice of this cake. And um, so that was my most popular cake. Then we decided after a few years to move to Bozeman and I met some really nice people and I share their commercial kitchen. And a sample of my cake was taken to Zantera. Now these guys run all the food in the Yellowstone Park. So they tasted the cake and they said, oh wow, we want to serve this in our restaurants in Yellowstone. And now that's all I do. And I bake about 600 bass cakes for the park every year. <laughs> it's a lot of bass cakes. How has your baking been affected because of the coronavirus? 
Well, kind of catastrophic, actually, <laughs> um, because they, it doesn't look like any of the sit-down restaurants in the park are actually going to open this year. So they'll do to-go stuff, but my cake kind of needs to be sliced up and presented nicely. So um, then my husband is sneaking under the counter. Stuart, go upstairs. Good grief, sorry. You'll have to edit that out, Ez. Um, and then, so I'm really not baking much at all. Uh, obviously I have a few orders for some friends or I've got orders from people that have eaten the bass cake before and they're in California or Connecticut or somewhere. And so I've been shipping them bass cakes, but that's really it. It's going to be a quiet old summer. Do you have a favorite thing that has happened to you because of the coronavirus or while you are stuck at home? Actually, I'm not stuck at home. I love being at home. I don't consider it stuck. I actually quite like it. And I've also, because we're in Montana, we've been able to hike the hills. And I, my girlfriend has, I think, 100 acres or something. So I've been hiking up on her property with the dogs. And so it's just really nice and peaceful. And I love the fact that I haven't been running around from appointment to appointment or meeting people all the time and running here and running there. So it's just been nice and slow. And one of the things we've been doing obviously is Zoom, but um, I, we've actually started Zooming with friends all over the world. And it's been really, really nice to catch up and see friends in Australia that we don't normally see unless we actually go to Australia. And um, we've been doing this thing on a Friday night. So it's Friday night here and it's Saturday lunchtime in Australia. And these guys own racehorses. So um, the race, the racing is closed in Australia, but the horses are allowed to race. You're not allowed to go. So they've been watching from home. So our meeting, our Zoom meeting has a treasurer and he places all the bets on the horses for us. And then they turn their computer around and we watch the horse races on the TV and all cheer for our own horses and everything. So it's been kind of fun to do things like that, that, you know, we would never do. So I'm not, I mean, COVID is absolutely hideous, but we are not having a bad time here. Could you tell us about your travels around the world? Whoa, that's a big, big question. We have been traveling since our early 20s. Um, my husband and I traveled, first of all, we went, we had a year where we just traveled through Europe and Asia, kind of backpacking, but I'm not really good with the backpack. I had to go and stay in sort of a hotel. <laughs> I should have stayed in hostels and things, but I really just, I needed air conditioning. It was so hot in Asia, but yeah, we stayed, we bummed around. We, we ate the most incredible food. We met amazing people and then when we moved to England, we were lucky enough that we could travel all through Europe whenever. So when you wanted to go skiing, you went to Switzerland, you went to France, or you went somewhere like that. And because both our jobs took us to Europe, I would call, my husband would call me and say, I'm at the most amazing little village in Germany, fly over. And because it's so close, it's like an hour and a half. You'd just jump on a plane and go over. And so we got to experience so much more than if we'd just been living in Australia, which would take forever to get anywhere. And you know, we've been to all sorts of places. We've been to Tokyo. 
Um, we've been to Japan, we've been to Kyoto, um, Bali, all sorts of places really. But um, some of, we really go to places for food. And now that we've sort of done all the sort of touristy traveling, we've seen all the kind of things we wanted to see. Now we go and visit friends and because we've got friends all over the world and we have, you know, we go to birthdays or we go like this weekend, we should have been in Monaco at the Formula One Grand Prix with friends who love car racing. Um, that's all been canceled. So that's kind of a bummer. But um, yeah, we've just sort of traveled a lot of places. I don't know that there's anything that out that is really outstanding. I mean, there's funny things that happened everywhere. But I mean, like for example, my girlfriend and I went to Tokyo and we felt like these giant Americans, these great big messy Americans with suitcases everywhere. And these, all these Japanese were so tidy, so beautifully groomed. And they had their one tiny little suitcase. And we're like this junk show of Americans <laughs> on the wrong train, going the wrong way trying to <laughs> figure out the food and everything. But it was just, it, experiences like that are just fun. So just to get around and see everything is fantastic. That reminds me of when my dad drove on the sidewalk in Spain. After the coronavirus, do you think that your travels will be greatly affected or will they be mostly the same? I don't, well, personally, I don't think we will ever travel like we used to. We've already canceled three trips this year. Um, and I don't know that we're going to travel in 2021. Um, we just have to see how healthy the world is. Um, probably 2022. And, you know, I think we're going to limit it dramatically and do more things local. I mean, there's a lot of Montana that we can see. We've got a trailer so we can go camping and, I know it'd be fun to just hang out in this area. What, before we go, what, what is coming up for you and your family that might be greatly altered like your travels because of COVID-19? Well, my husband lost his job, which was <laughs> a bit of a surprise. Um, but I mean, he was thinking of retiring soon anyway, but it would have been nice to have retired when you felt like it instead of now. So we're kind of being a little more careful with money um and um i i really just think we're going to do a lot more home stuff thank you for joining us today amanda it was great having you on today's show thanks ezra lovely to see you Seventy-five years ago, a Nazi wrote a journal that is now believed to show a map to a treasure. This journal was made by someone whose name I cannot pronounce, so I'm not going to bother with that. After the end of the Second World War, a secret society had this diary. This written artifact states 11 different locations of hidden valuable items, including paintings and gold. This diary was a secret because of the fact that it was hidden in Germany. In it, a well was listed under the Hochberg Palace in Poland. Um, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Hopefully I am. Gold at the bottom of the well is worth billions of euros. Yes, there is supposed to be 30 tons of gold hidden. Many things like paintings were stolen and hidden by the Nazis in World War II. Because of the Nazis, about 36,000 artifacts and artworks are missing just in Poland. 
According to news outlets, the government of Poland is hunting these missing items down, even now. The area of this well is a common place for items hidden by Nazis to be found. This is because many great hiding places for valuables can be found in the area. Mines, tunnels, castles, and palaces are around the area. Speaking of palaces, we'll get to those later. The treasure will be looked for when the palace gets refurbished and touched up. And now it's time for our wildlife journal segment. Once upon a time, there was and still is an animal called the giant larvation that builds houses that can serve as a food funnel and filter as well. They live in palaces that they build out of snot that comes out of their heads and live happily ever after in their snot palace kingdom. These creatures look like a tadpole and build a new palace about every day. The giant larvation usually gets to be four inches long at the most. They live globally. Boris Worm, who is a marine biologist at Dalhousie University, said, quote, They remind me of a cross between a living veil and a high-tech filter pump. Worm says that these small animals can do lots. First, when they leave clogged up, left behind snot palaces, they collectively release millions of tons of carbon that additionally prevent climate change. The rest of the discarded snot palace can be eaten by the lower dwellers of the ocean. The delicate snot palaces are a true wonder to researchers. Because of how delicate they are, they usually cannot be studied. These structures that the giant larvation make have a clever way of trapping food. Passages catch the type of food that the giant larvation likes, and the food goes right into the mouth of a hungry creature. The size of the homes and food traps is crazy. They are about ten times the size of the giant larvations themselves. The creature produce one snot palace in one hour. Everybody could learn from the animals, even NASA. NASA says that they would like to learn more about the larvation to better learn how to build structures on the moon. Much of the research that has been done about this has been done in a remote lab using tools like lasers. I'm sorry, could you, like, even tell what that was? That was supposed to be Tutti Fruity. We did this song for a music segment. First off, because a news nerds listener really wanted us to. Second of all, because Little Richard just died on May 5th. So, we love your work, Little Richard. And now it's time for our geographic location challenge. I'm checking the polls. Oh my gosh, big developments in the last week. 
with for pl- first place, excuse me, we have California. Yay! 8% of all our listeners are from California. Next up, we have two runners-up. Ohio is one of them, and Connecticut is the other. Good job. And last but not least, we have New Mexico with third place. Thank you, listeners. We'll see you next week. This week's episode has come to an end. You can go to our website, that's newsnerdshost.wixsite.com slash podcast, or just click the website button on our anchor page. There, you can subscribe for free, check out the latest news tab, and new tabs that will be launched very soon. Coming up, we will have a cow pies episode for you, and lots more. Special thanks to Amanda for appearing on this week's episode. I'm your host, Ezra Graham. We'll see you next week on News Nerds.